Today on Face the Nation, the wacky week in Republican politics. There are factions that are trying to destroy me personally as well as this campaign. While Herman Cain spent the week on national television denying allegations of sexual harassment, the internet and late night comics were all abuzz about a bizarro speech that Rick Perry made in New Hampshire. This is such a cool state. I mean, come on, live free or die. I mean, you know, it's, you gotta love that, right? What is going on? Who's been helped? Who was hurt? We'll talk about it with a cross section of Republicans. Rick Perry campaign supporter Ken Blackwell, former Bachman campaign manager Ed Rollins, the former head of the Republican Party Ed Gillespie, and activist and strategist Liz Cheney. We'll round it out with CBS News political analyst John Dickerson. Then we'll meet the young women behind another video that's gone viral, three of John Huntsman's daughters, Abby, Marianne, and Liddy. It's all ahead on Face the Nation. From CBS News in Washington, Face the Nation with Bob Schieffer. And we have Republicans all across the country prepared to speak this morning, and we are ready to poll the delegation. The first thing we're going to talk about is uh, this week that Herman Cain had here in Washington. Charges of uh, uh, sexual harassment were raised against him, and at one point it was uh, just every stop he would either add or change the story, uh, talk about what had happened. I want to just play you uh, just a brief clip of his day here or his week in Washington. I have never sexually harassed anyone. It is totally baseless and totally false. I do remember the formal allegation she made in terms of sexual harassment. As far as a settlement, I am unaware of any sort of settlement. I was aware that an agreement was reached. I got out in front and was direct in addressing this issue. So, Ed Gillespie, uh, you were the head of the Republican Party at one point. You've been a strategist in many campaigns over the years. Uh, the Kane people keep saying, end of story. Is it the end of the story? Well, I don't know if it's the end of the story. And obviously, anytime you're talking about sexual harassment instead of your tax reform plan, you're not on the message you want to be on. I do think, though, that a lot of Republican voters uh, think that, you know, when there's an anonymous uh, you know, allegation that there's a there's a sense amongst uh, many Republicans that there's a you know that's not exactly fair. Uh, two, I think that conservatives believe that uh, liberals uh, you know have a kind of a special disdain for uh, black conservatives, and and I think that they feel that there's an unfairness uh, that's at at uh, play here. Uh, and so I think that actually, you know, this is not as damaging to Herman Cain. The third thing I would say is that, uh, you know, he is an unconventional candidate, but it's an unconventional year. His resp response has been unconventional. Uh, but I think one of the things you're seeing, uh, at least you're not seeing yet, is as much damage uh, as you would expect uh, in other years or with other campaigns. Well, uh, you're right on that because the only poll we have since all this began uh, was in the Washington Post. It showed that uh, his support uh, had not lessened at all. But as for uh, liberals being behind it, uh, he was saying at one point this week it was not liberals but the uh, Perry campaign that had leaked this information. Uh, Ed Rollins, 
What do you think he has to do now? Has he been hurt by all of this, even though the polls show he's generally holding the support he had? Well, first of all, you, got, you it, sometimes it takes two or three weeks for polls, for this incidents to really show up in polls. In this segment of the electorate that he has, this 25%, you know, there's been seven people who have been front runners in this campaign since the beginning, uh, and most of them have had that same 25, 30% that he's had, everybody from Trump to Bachman to Perry to, uh, to, and now DeCain. So I think that vote will move back and forth a little bit until it's solidified. Uh, he's not out of this yet. He can't basically say, I'm not going to answer any more questions on this. As fast, facts come forward, even though it's an unconventional campaign with an unconventional candidate, Republicans want to win. We want basically a candidate who can go up against Obama and beat him, and we think we've got an excellent opportunity for that. So this is a, there's a year to go. There's uh, less than 60 days to go before the Iowa caucuses. So a week is a lifetime in politics. Uh, a month is even more so, and a year is, is an eternity. So I think you're going to see a lot of things happening, and I think that uh, Herman has not basically either answered the questions correctly or has seen the last of this. Well, uh, to that point, Point. That now seems to be the new strategy. Last night, uh, he he came down pretty hard on that. Listen to what he said last night when somebody tried to ask him. Mr. Kane, the attorney for one of the uh, women who filed a sexual harassment complaint against Don't even go there. No, no gossip. Can I, can I ask my question? No. Because no, no gossip. They, 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 can I ask a good question? Where's my chief of staff? I'm right here. Please send him the uh, journalistic code of ethics. Will do. All right. Well, Ed, uh, what about that? Uh, well, uh, we haven't I, gotten I, that journalistic code of ethics. Well, uh, we're first, first of all, first of all, it's, it's a it's a tough game, and and he reminds me a lot of a ten years ago. I was Ross Perot's campaign manager for a brief period of time, and Perot blamed everything on the media as opposed to himself, and and he was an unconventional candidate, and pretty much self-destructed uh, in the course of his candidacy. And my sense is you, the media is a very important part of this process. It's uh, it's the eyes of the American public, and you may not always like what they do or what you do, but at the end of the day, you got to deal with it. Otherwise, you lock yourself in a closet and uh, do nothing but commercials on television. That's not a successful. Strategy. Uh, Ken Blackwell, you're you're a Perry man and have been for a long time. You you go way back with him. Uh, uh, what about this? I mean, at one point, uh, he blamed it uh, all on Rick Perry. Said it had been leaked by the Perry campaign, name names and all of that. I think then his campaign manager backed away from that a little bit. First, I'll give you a chance to uh, say uh, it was not Rick Perry, if that's what you believe. Well, it, it wasn't Rick Perry, and uh, I think the Kane campaign has started to walk back from that accusation. It was it was a shame that he started to point fingers at, at a time when he said, you know, folks should not point fingers without facts. So it was a contradiction. Uh, and so I think what Herman has to do is to get everything out in the open, because this is still an open and live case. You know, the uh, NRA has basically said that the w women uh, who filed the complaints are free to, to, to speak on this issue. Uh, if, they, if they choose not to speak until Kane is successful in winning some primaries, it will hurt him then. Uh, so he has a real interest in getting it out, getting it out as soon as he can, and, 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 and tell the truth. As long as he tells the truth, gets it out, and has a consistent story, I think he can get through this. And this won't be the, this won't be the issue. The issue takes away, uh, this issue takes away from us focusing on Obama's uh, inability to create jobs and high unemployment uh, and the lack of uh, economic growth that will put us back on the path. Well, Liz Cheney, uh, you, you haven't endorsed anybody uh, at this point in the campaign. Uh, do you think that Herman Cain could actually survive this? 
I do. I think that, you know, what we've heard now are a lot of uh, accusations and not a lot of facts. And having been through campaigns at a, at a very high level, I can tell you that facts are often one of the first casualties. Um, and I think that, you know, Ken is exactly right. The, the, the intensity of the focus here is very interesting to me, and the intensity of the focus we've seen on the debates, in particular um, on the Republican debates this time around, and the impact that those debate performances have had uh, tells you that what the American voters really care about is the substance. And that I think, frankly, people are very, very scared. Uh, they're looking for an alternative to President Obama. They see a failing economy and a president whose policies have made this much worse. Uh, and frankly, they, they are looking for somebody who's going to be able to talk about how we're going to create jobs, how we're going to get the economy growing again. You know, there's a lot of kind of interest in, you know, uh, other topics going on right now, particularly in the mainstream media. But at the end of the day, I think that it's pretty frustrating to the if voters. If you were Herman Cain's campaign manager, what would you tell him to do? Would you say what Ed Rollins said, you need to let this all out, uh, as Ken said, because it may come back and, and haunt you later on? Or would you advise him just go right on? Well, I think it looks to me from the outside like he's done a good part here towards getting facts out. Uh, they, there were legal uh, ramifications for uh, about speaking uh, to this issue. I understand now that the accusers have said they don't, at least one of them has said she doesn't plan to come out and speak publicly. It's a really fine line. At some point, you know, uh, you've got to say, look, here's the deal. Here are the facts. I think he's been trying to do that. But but then you've got to move on, and it's in, when you're in the middle of a feeding frenzy like this, it's often difficult to move on. But I think you've got to have the confidence to know at the end of the day, you know, so long as we don't see more damaging facts come out, this is not the issue that's going to decide the election. Who can create jobs and grow the economy is what will decide both, I think, the Republican primary and also ultimately the general election. Well, John Deckerson, you're, you're just, uh, you've been on the campaign trail, been out in Iowa. How is, what is the reaction out there among, among people? Well, Mr. Cain benefits from something Ed Gillespie mentioned, which is that in the, in the country, the people I've been talking to, they look at the mainstream media and the fact that the mainstream media is talking about this as a sign that Cain is uh, being persecuted, that he's being attacked because he's a black Republican. Uh, they have rallied around Herman Cain. And uh, anybody who chooses to keep these charges alive, whether it's the press or an opponent, is going to pay a penalty in the short term. But what I also hear is people then talking about, well, uh, but has he been thoroughly vetted as a candidate? And Michelle Bachman raised this. And it's the notion that you can't have a nominee who goes into the general election who might have questions. And that's why, while it would be harmful for Kane to talk about this anymore, because drip, drip, drip just hurts him, if there's a big question mark, that allows people perhaps to say, you know, we just don't know. It's, it's not just about this issue, but it's also his positions on foreign policy, on abortion, some other areas, hurdles he's had in his campaign, and just create a big balloon of doubt that hangs over him, and that would be a problem. Well, all right, let's let's shift just a little bit because I want to talk about Rick Perry, who came when he announced he shot to the top of the polls. He had a couple of stumbles uh, in the debates and went right back down. But while all of this was going on on national television, out there on the Internet, uh, the story that was getting so much play was this rather, and I'll use the term, bizarre video of, uh, of uh, Rick Perry making a speech uh, up in New Hampshire. Let's just listen to this. I want to get your take on this. Today has been awesome, girl. Gold is good. Uh, if you've got any in the backyard, because, you know, if, if they print any more money over there in Washington, the gold's going to be good. I come from a state, 
you know, where um, they had this little place called the Alamo and they declared victory or death. You know, we're kind of into those slogans, man. It's like, live free or die, victory or death. Bring it. You know, just pretty easy math. Subtract it, send it in. It's awesome. Why not? That little plan that I just shared with you doesn't force the Granite State to expand your tax footprint. You know what I mean? Like 9% expansion. So, Ken, you are the Rick Perry man here today. Uh, you know, I must say, I was at a uh, at a uh, forum the other day with a Republican consultant and a and a Democratic consultant. Uh, the Republican Charlie Black, kind of a Republican mm -hmm. establishment man, uh, put the best face on it. He said that uh, he it was his understanding that Rick Perry had back problems and maybe this was something to do with the medication he was taking. The Democrat uh, Steve McMahon just came right out and said, "I think he was drunk." Now I'm just telling you, this is what <laughs> other people said. What what and that's what is going on out in the uh, political universe right now. People talking about this. What do you think this was all about? I think it's about a heavily edited uh, YouTube uh, presentation of a 25-minute speech. What you sh what they show on YouTube is about three to seven minutes, mm -hmm. depending on what version you get. You know, look, the crowd responded fabulously to his presentation because in that 25 minutes he talked about how to get America growing again. He talked about his Texas record in terms of protecting the border. He talked about what he believed was American exceptionalism and what folks did on YouTube was condense you know, it down to a very small version. Uh, and look, the guy has been under tremendous pressure. Well, he, he's been told, you're uptight, you know, you're, you're too serious, loosen up. He does it over a span of a speech, somebody cuts it down and makes it look like that was the substance of the speech, which is totally false. So I think he just needs to keep on going straight forward, be loose as he wants to be, but keep the focus on getting the economy growing again. Uh, you know, Ed Rollins, uh, we all remember back out in Iowa when Herman Dean made that victory speech, what people call the scream now, and I think a lot of people think that's uh, that's what done him in uh, in that race out there. What do, what do you make of this? Howard, Howard Dean is a, is a good friend of mine. Basically, uh, uh, that was sort of the end of his candidacy. I don't think this is the end of the Perry candidacy, but I think it's an image that's going to stay there a long time. And nobody has made a worse first impression uh, than Governor Perry, who's been an extraordinary governor. He's been elected to office for 25 years, never defeated, three times elected uh, governor of Texas uh, uh, against some very tough opponents. At the end of the day, his impressions here that the American public has and Republicans have, both in the combination of the debates and this speech, uh, he's got to overcome. Someone's going to emerge as the alternative to Romney here and become the chaser. Now, whether that's Mr. Kane or Mr. Perry or one of the other candidates that's behind, uh, we'll see. Uh, and Iowa will be, the, be probably the, the, the trigger out. But he's going to have to live with this. And what they all need to know is the day of the old day of the casual speech in front of a New Hampshire audience or an Iowa audience is gone. Everything is now on a camera, on a telephone or something. And any, any uh, attempt at humor, if you're not a comic, or any attempt at basically saying something stupid, uh, is going to be there out there with you the rest of the campaign you got to live with it what do you think Liz? 
you know, I think, again, I find this all pretty frustrating. This country faces huge, huge challenges. And, you know, frankly, watching a morning show like this one, where first we're talking about Herman Cain allegations, and then we're showing a YouTube mashup. Well, we're of, covering the campaign, Liz. Well, but the issues are what matters, Bob. And with all due respect, you know, the American people are out there afraid. They're afraid that the economy is going off a cliff. They're afraid that this president wants higher taxes and more spending and bigger government. Um, and in the midst of all of that, I think that that's what we ought to be talking about. You know, last night in Texas, you had Herman Cain and Newt Gingrich um, have a very substantive exchange about the issues and a very cordial exchange, but one that focused on how important it is to deal with the entitlement crisis, how important it is to create an environment where the private sector is actually going to be willing to invest again, how important it is to look at what's happening in Iraq. You know, Barack Obama uh, likes to talk about what he inherited. He inherited a victory in Iraq. He inherited a AAA bond rating. And right now you've got a situation where, frankly, he is going down the wrong path on all of these issues. And I just got to imagine the people who are watching this morning and, you know, voters all across this country want to know who is going to help put this country back on the right track, not, you know, who was able to put together a mashup of, you know, clips out of a speech that Rick Perry gave. On well, YouTube. I mean, I take your point, but I would also make the point that we in the media, it is not our job to make the campaign. That is up to the candidates. The candidates determine what the campaign but you is going to be what out. You're cover, and Bob. we show up and cover what's there. Right. So you and I can talk about this. All right. Well, for we'll a talk long about time. it later on. We have for a long time. <laughs> Ed Gillespie, do you think that was presidential? Is Rick Perry going to be able to survive it? Oh, I think, you know, there's a big difference here between the Howard Dean scream and uh, and this YouTube video. For one thing, people are watching Howard Dean live. Remember, it was his response to the loss in the Iowa caucuses. And so there were, you know, millions of uh, voters around the country who saw it unfiltered and unedited. I think that people kind of uh, see this YouTube video, and it is a clip job, and, the, and, and they think there's probably some selective editing of it. According to the reports out of the room that evening, you know, he got rave reviews, standing ovation, as I understand. Uh, that said, you know, it was, you know, Ed Rollins is right. This is the uh, era in which we live, and, and you can't just give a speech, even kind of let loose a little bit, without understanding that that, that uh, is out there. Uh, let me just say, too, I think Liz is right. Uh, the fact is, you know, these process stories are distracting in many ways from what's really going on. I'm here in Virginia. I've been traveling with Governor Bob McDonald. We have elections on Tuesday for the uh, state legislature here, and I think we're going to win control of the Virginia State Senate. I think we're going to win control of the Mississippi State right. House. We're going to make gains in New Jersey. People are fed up with what's going on in Washington. They're frustrated with the Obama uh, economy. And, and you're seeing a harbinger of that here just in these all state right. elections coming up soon. I'm sorry. The clock's run out. Thanks to all of you for a very Thanks, interesting uh, exchange. Back in a minute. slices it dices with razor-like edges that never need sharpening it's not a blender it's not a set of steak knives it's car windshield and now it can be yours here's how next time you're in a car and the driver's driving recklessly simply say nothing that's right let them change cds let them text on their phones ignore that little voice in your head that's trying to warn you and you too can experience car windshield passengers who have tried car windshield agree it's a smash car windshield may not be for everyone as it can lead to severe side effects and even death please consult your physician after you've experienced car windshield passengers who wish to avoid car windshield can do so by following simple steps like trusting their instincts speaking up and telling their friends to slow down in the real world there is no spokesperson to prevent reckless driving there's only you speak up 
Act now. Paramedics are standing by. This has been a message from the Ad Council. For more information, go to youarethespokesperson.com. We stirred up quite a fuss here last week when we challenged Republican candidate Herman Cain on whether an ad he showed of his campaign manager smoking a cigarette sent a message that smoking was a cool thing to do. Here's just a bit of the ad. We need you to get involved because together we can do this. We can take this country back. Kane took issue with our criticism, but before it was over, he condemned smoking as a bad habit. So it's not a cool thing to do. It is not a cool thing to do. Well, three of John Huntsman's daughters came up with their own response. We need you to get involved to make sure our next president is based on substance, not sound bites. Check out our dad at john2012.com. And the stars of that video are in the studio with us today. They are Abby, Liddy, and Mary Ann. So, who thought this up? I'm going to give it to Liddy, Liddy. this time. Uh, yeah, I'll take credit for it. Um, yeah, I had been receiving emails and I had seen the um, Herman Cain ad all over the place. And I woke up last week, or a couple, when was it, two weeks ago, a week last ago? Week. Mm -hmm. the time has flown by. Um, and I was like, this would be actually something we could spoof and, and make it, you know, age appropriate and blow bubbles. So, so, so how many hits has this got? It's about 300,000 now, mm -hmm. and uh, it's still growing, so. And, and uh, will you do a sequel? Uh, well, We're always up to something. something might be coming. <laughs> You'll have to tune in. <laughs> Where do you all go from here? Well, the campaign is now calling us their secret weapon, so. Uh, we're, we're the most financially friendly uh, resource they have, so <laughs> we're, we're all over the place right now. Right. Uh, all right. Well, it's great to have you. I know your dad must be proud of you, and it just goes to show that politics can be fun for the whole family. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. This portion of Face the Nation is sponsored by Chevron. We may have more in common than you think. Learn more at chevron.com. Come on. Come on. Laptops, MP3 players, cameras, video games, cell phones. In times like these, schools can become a shopping mall for thieves. Got it. Don't become a victim of crime. Leave your valuable stuff at home. And if you do have to bring them to school, keep them with you. Write down their serial numbers and don't flash expensive items around. Be smart. If you have something cool, there's a good chance someone else will want it too. Keep cash and ATM cards in a secure place and never give anyone your PIN number. And don't leave your school bag lying around where it can become a temptation to someone else. If you have something stolen, report the situation immediately. The sooner you tell someone, the better the chance you'll get it back. Visit ncpc.org to learn more about how to prevent school theft. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. This heavyweight bout is about to begin. What's the champ wearing? Looks like an examination gown. And from the back... Ooh, that's not pretty. Champ, what's with the get-up? I've got to take care of my family, so I'm getting those important medical screens. Boom! The fight is over! 
Chief, you look pretty healthy out there tonight. But I'm still getting those tests. For a list of tests you need, go to AHRQ.gov. And remember, real men wear gowns. Go to AHRQ.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AHRQ, and the Ad Council. One of the few times we are aware of movement is when it suddenly stops. Multiple sclerosis stops people from moving. We exist to make sure it doesn't. With the help of people like you, the National MS Society addresses the challenges of each person whose life is affected by MS and helps them stay connected to the great big moving world. Join the movement at nationalmssociety.org. Finally today, by now you have heard that Andy Rooney died. When he retired last month, I talked about the thousands of things he said on television. But for me, his lasting achievement is his book, My War, a memoir of his days as a combat correspondent during World War II. It is at once a coming-of-age story, an adventure, and most of all, a book of wisdom. Most of us, he wrote, use only a portion of our brains as we live our lives at half speed and on schedule, sleeping when we're not tired, eating when we're not hungry. But war, he wrote, changes all that, causing people to do things they didn't know they could do. Yet he didn't go to war movies, he wrote, because he didn't consider war entertainment. He described war for those who survive as an experience like no other, but he said, I've tried to empty my brain of those memories by writing them down. For all his eccentricities, Andy was a wise man whose work in the age of texting and thoughtless instant discourse reminds us that the English language is among our most precious assets and properly used one of the most powerful weapons in the American arsenal. Andy, you were one of a kind. Back in a minute. My name is Jeffrey, but people in this town call me Maniac. They call me that because I'm the fastest runner in town. But just because everyone knows who I am doesn't mean I belong. I don't really belong anywhere. You see, I'm an orphan, and I wander the streets just looking for a place that I can truly call home. My name is Maniac McGee, and I'm all alone. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Maniac McGee by Jerry Spinelli. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad. Yeah? You remember that ball game we went to a couple years ago? Sure. And how you didn't have enough cash for two hot dogs, so you walked with me on your shoulders until we found an ATM? And then when we got back to our seats, we never saw the hot dog guy again. Well, I don't remember all that. Yeah, that was an awesome game. You never know which moments will be the ones they'll remember forever. So take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one 877 dad 411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. It's important to make sure your family has a plan in case of an emergency. We talked to this family to see if each of them knew where to meet if they were not together when something happened. If a natural disaster happened and we were outside the home, we would all meet at the park. That's our meeting point. I meet places at our neighbor's house because she is my mom's good friend. We all have a meeting spot, which is a bus stop. Is your plan any better? To learn more about making an emergency plan for your family, go to ready.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. And that's it for us today. Be sure to watch 60 Minutes tonight for a special tribute to Andy Rooney, and we'll see you next week right here on Face the Nation.